Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, Senior Pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's Word, He will truly encourage your heart. All right. Well, that took a little bit longer this morning than usual, but uh, hey, when we're talking about a miracle that God provides, it's okay if it takes a little bit more time, I'm sure. So we're glad you're with us this morning. I'm going to talk about um, something that we all face in life in so many different ways. And, uh, you know, I think, I think the reality is, and of course what God's Word tells us, we've, most of us have faced an injustice in our life. And I'm not talking about a social injustice where something maybe we'll call it on a smaller level. I'm talking about a major wrong. I'm talking about evil where it takes advantage of a situation. And, uh, you know, those things happen in this life that we live in. We live in a fallen world. And, and God tells us as we start to get closer to the end times, we're going to see more and more injustice takes place in this life. And so, you know, what do we know about injustice? How does God look at that? How do we deal with that? And what does that mean? So we're going to we're going to dig into that a little bit today. So turn to your Bibles to First uh, Kings chapter 21. And uh, we are going to try to run through most of this chapter because I don't want to cheat you guys of any of the story here. But I want to start with one of the things I learned about myself in the business world, which I spent most of my time, I haven't been in the ministry full time for near as long as I was in the business world, is one of my pet peeves. One of the things that would really bother me, just <laughs> throw me off so bad sometimes, is when an injustice would take place. So it's one of the things I learned about myself, you know. And I was in business management, so I always had the privilege to help lead a team of people in some capacity for most of my career. And what took it to another level was when an injustice happened not to me, but when it happened to the people that I oversaw and led, ooh, ho, ho, that fired me up. So um, often in my career, you know, I've worked in places where branches and buildings and offices were spread throughout the state and even in different states. And so, you know, sometimes your correspondence was done through email. And so something would happen and, uh, you know, I think of a couple circumstances, but one time, you know, somebody they totally failed on their job and they actually did something that would certainly be unethical and it was wrong and everything about it. And so when it started to come to light, they shifted it to somebody else. And so when they passed that blame on to the group of people that reported to me and that I worked with, man, that just set me off. And I, I just remember being so mad. And so, you know, I started the first email and it was early in the morning. It was before anybody got there because things happened later in the day. And so I'm typing it all up. And then I look at it and I go, okay, all right, if I hit that send on that one, I'll certainly get fired. So uh, I, better, I better redo that. So I would, I would clean up my email and I'd redo it. And I'd go, okay, I read that back to myself. Um, I'll get written up and called into corporate, so let me rephrase that some more. And then I'd pause, and I'd be like, Lord, I want justice 
to happen. And I don't, I don't want the people that I love and work for me to be responsible for something that they shouldn't be. You know, and, hey, they did something wrong. If I did something wrong, you know, I want us all to shoulder, shoulder that blame. I want us to get better. But when it's not that way. So I, I would pray. I'm like, Lord, help me deal with this injustice. Help me to make it right and help me to calm down because <laughs> I am just so angry. I can't even see straight. And so then my final draft would be professional <laughs> and it would be direct. And I would send that through and, uh, and then we would let God kind of work those situations out. And uh, boy, the one situation that happened to work... That's a message for another day, but I will tell you, God took a situation that for weeks, maybe months, bothered me so much that it would wake me up in the middle of the night and I would, couldn't get it off my mind. But yet God turned it around for something amazing. That's for another day. All right, we're going to read about one of the biggest injustices I think that's recorded in God's word. So 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 through 28. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel. And it was next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth saying, give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden. Because it's near, it's next to my house. And for it, I will give you a vineyard better than it or... If it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. So let's, let's paint this picture a little bit. And we're going to pause some as we go through this long chapter a little bit. If we look, you don't have to go there, but in verse 25, it just gives you a little bit of insight into what the king was like. It says, but there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in, sight, in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. So Ahab was a king, and he was full tilt evil. He was an evil man. And so think about it, and don't read over today as just a story in the Bible. This is real. This happened. And, and I don't, I don't want to upset you guys. I don't want you to come to church and go, oh, man, why has Pastor Ben got to put something so heavy on us? But I want you to take this in. God's word has something for all of us and every part of it is so important. So when you think about this, this is real. So Naboth was, was in a situation where this evil king comes and says, hey, I want to I buy your vineyard. So face value, that doesn't sound so bad. You're like, okay, maybe I can make some profit. I'll retire. I'll go sit off on the coast of Greece and I'll hang out and enjoy life a little bit. Um, and sometimes we have seen people be stubborn when they don't want to sell something. You ever seen those illustrations where they build this complex and in the middle of it, there's this little house. All right. So the king says that. So the king approaches a common man, just like he would approach you. And maybe he'd just go to my buddy Ryan and just say, hey, I, I want to buy your place. You've got a nice pool out back, and I'd, I'll give you what it's worth. But here's what happens. Um, verse 3, Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So picture, this is the king. And he's evil. And he comes into your house or your home or your family's home and approaches you with this. And you say, no, doesn't look good. Not, 
not going to happen. Now, there's a reason for that. This wasn't Naboth being stubborn. It wasn't because he wanted to hold out for more money. If we look in Leviticus, and don't turn there, I'm just going to read it. Leviticus 25, 23, this is from God to his people. It says, the land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine. This land that I've given you belongs to me. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. So God gave the promised land to his people, but he commanded them. He said, you know, when you have this land, you can't just sell it. It's mine. You're allowed to use it. But I also want you then to pass it on to your family. So when Naboth said no to the king, he said it in a way that it had a spiritual reason behind it. So it's very important that we take that in. So here's what happens. So after he, he says, not going to happen, we pick up a verse four. And Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And he laid down on his bed and he turned away his face and he would not eat any food. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? How many of you have had to take away your teenager's cell phone? Right? Isn't it? Don't, sometimes that, they act like that's the end of the world. And they, as a child, they might go into their room, close the door, lay down, put their face against the wall, and they're like, are you going to eat dinner? I can't eat dinner. I'm so upset. The king is doing that when he owns everything already. And he's acting like this spoiled child. So, verse 6 says, He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, and he said to, and I said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. You're the king. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Ahab's evil. He knows his wife is a very evil woman. And so she says, I've got a plan. And he's like, okay. So verse 8, then Jezebel, she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, sent the letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters this. I want you to proclaim a fast and seat Naboth with high honor among the people. That sounds pretty nice, doesn't it? Like, let's take this godly man who's trying to do the right thing, who's trying to be obedient to God, and we're going to bring him in and we're going to put him at a place in front of everybody in high honor. Well, it sounds, sounds good so far. And again, I want you to think about this. What if this was you? What if this was your husband? Laura, you might celebrate it briefly, okay? <laughs> Not for long. All right. Um, bring him before all people. Put him in a place of honor. Verse 10. And seat two scoundrels before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. So we read on. So the men of his city, the elders and the nobles who were inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel had sent to them. 
as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them, they proclaimed a fast, they seated Naboth with high honor among the people, and two men, scoundrels, came in and they sat before him. Let's think about this. If this is happening to us, if this is our situation, and you're brought there and you're like, I, I follow the Lord, I try to do the right thing, and I'm being recognized for it. A fast has been proclaimed. I'm put in a place of honor and you're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, two people come in the front and they start to say, he has blasphemed our God and he's spoken against the king. And it's a complete lie. What would that feel like? Then it gets much worse. They came in and sat before him and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth in the presence of the people saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. They took him outside the city and they stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, arise. Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but is dead. So it was when, Naboth, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and he went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Is that injustice? Wow. If that was our families, if that was what happened to you or I or someone we loved, we'd be like, what is happening? And, and, and you couldn't help but go, where's God in this? I'm trying to do the right thing. That's what we do. We're in the flesh. We think about these things. So verse 17, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, arise, go down to meet Ahab, the king of Israel who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? You shall speak to him saying, thus says the Lord, in the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O my enemy? Isn't that an interesting thing that the prophet of God, Elijah, the prophet, and a good king would want the prophets of God to be surrounded them and telling them the truth of whatever God wanted them to know all the time. But yet the king looked at Elijah as his enemy. Sometimes we're surprised when we're out in the world and we share a testimony or we try to live a certain way and the the world looks at you differently. And sometimes on extreme cases, they even look at you as the enemy, don't they? And he answered, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's a cool phrase when I think about this. We hear this this term today. Ah, He's a sellout. She's a sellout. We have politicians that sell this country down the road every day. And what's that mean? They're looking out for their own self good, their own financial gain, their own power, and they sell out the country all the time. And he says, you're a sellout. 
and you've done evil inside in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity and I will cut off Ahab, every man in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Asia, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying the dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dogs shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. And there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel. So it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, he fasted and he laid in sackcloth and he went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, see how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring this calamity in his days, but in the days of his son. I'll bring the calamity. So what God prophesied through Elijah was still going to happen. Ahab was going to be judged and pay for these wrongdoings. But he did have a moment where he realized what he was done. And he must have, in his heart, had some sincerity about it. And so God said, all right, basically, I'm going to strike you first so that you don't have to see all the destruction that's going to come on your family. When it happens to our family whether it's your children or your grandchildren, when anything's difficult, it's so much harder than it is even sometimes on our own selves, isn't it? All right, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We're going to read a few more verses here. How do we, how do we keep injustice when it happens to us, when it happens to people around us, when it happens to the world that we live in, how, how do we not let that consume us? How do we not let that knock us off of our spiritual walk? You know, Pastor Dallas shared just a beautiful message with us last week, and in it he talked about, shared the one verse where he says, you know what? Some of the difficulty, some of the suffering you're going to have is not just going to be for a short season. Some of it's going to last and you've got to hold on because God's with us. And so remember that. I think it's so important. How do we deal with it? I, I know sometimes when I see an injustice taking place or it's around me, I, I'll even just try and just not to think about it because it gets me so worked up, so tense. that I'm just like, I got to unplug from it. But how, how do we deal with that? I think we need to think about what happened to the Lord Jesus too. So let's think of the greatest injustice that's ever happened in all of human history. We pick up Matthew 26, verse 50, 59. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. Same thing they had to do to Naboth. Naboth was a godly man. He was trying to do what was right in God's eyes. He was trying to be obedient. So when that was the case, they brought in people to lie 
about him. And that obviously Jesus was perfect. He didn't have any sin, not one thing. So they had to bring in false witnesses against him, but they couldn't find any. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. And I think what happened is they brought people forward, but their stories were so ridiculous or believable, unbelievable, or they contradicted what they said that even in the midst of this false trial, they still couldn't use it. But the last two false witnesses came forward and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And that's not exactly how Jesus said it. And certainly not what he meant. And the high priest arose and he said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ and the son of God. Church, always be aware as the days grow darker, as we draw closer to the time of the Lord's return, some of the most wicked, evil people are going to be the ones who call themselves religious. Remember that. Don't be deceived. Here is a man who is before the Son of God. And he's saying on an oath before God, what? Injustice. And Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus just basically said, you said it, you said it, and you're going to see what's going to come. And the high priest tore his clothes, saying, he has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? They answered and said, <laughs> he is deserving of death. Jesus, son of God, innocent, pure, full of nothing but love. They said he is deserving of death. Then this is what they did. face of Jesus. He spit on him. And then people struck him. Other people slapped him with the palms of their hands. And they began to beat upon our Savior. It's the biggest injustice the world's ever seen. Ever. What I want you to take away from today, there's a lot of hurts in this life. And there are injustices that take place by evil people, lost people. There are injustices that take place from our own families, our own friends, and even those that are in the family of God. But remember, just remember this. You know, I, I've said this before, but I'm always reminded, I didn't realize how powerful it was. My, my mother passed away when I was just 22 years old. And it was all of a sudden, and I remember one of my friend's dad passed away maybe like six months later, and there was a whole group of us, a bunch of people, and uh, he kind of singled out to get to me, and he goes, I knew you would understand. So remember this about Jesus. 
when the injustices of life come, and mine at work were minor. They were minor. They're just part of life, part of work. But when they're really serious or when things come and they start to consume you and you're hurting and you can't get it out of your mind and you're angry and you're frustrated and you want to give up, Jesus knows exactly what you're feeling. He's experienced the greatest injustice that's ever happened. And he understands. He understands. I'm going to have Jim put up one more verse as we uh, finish up the message for today. And it's from the, uh, it's from the NLT, as I love how it reads here. Psalms 56, 8. <clears throat> this is such a beautiful verse. And I want you to think about this today. I want you to think about it for when injustices in life happen to you and you're just not sure how you're going to handle it. Church family, I want you to think about it. And those that are listening online, I want you to think about this. Man, in the past week and a half, there has been such a heaviness on some of our church family. There's been a lot of people called into eternity recently. Been involved in talking with a couple funerals and a couple more that are on their way. And I want you to think about this too. In the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of those tears, in the midst of that hurt. This verse is so beautiful. This is David, and he was in a bad situation. He had been captured. Those people, those people that want to serve injustice are in authority over him, and he is in a bad way. And he says to God, you keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Isn't that amazing? God understands when things happen. And sometimes when we are suffering in life, sometimes when we're hurting, we're just sad, sometimes you just feel like I'm all alone in this. Nobody really understands what I'm dealing with. Jesus does. And it says, David says, you keep track. God, you know my sorrows. You know, you know every tear that falls. Wow. Isn't that comforting? I hope that brings you comfort. Praise team if you come forward as we start to close this message of the day. Remember, injustices in life will happen. We're, who knows what we're going to see in the months and years to come if the Lord tarries. But remember, God has experienced those. He willingly did it. I couldn't begin to do <laughs> what Jesus did. I could never sit there willingly when I had the power and authority to change it all. But he did that. He did that because of how much he loves you. And he wanted to make sure above all things that your eternity was secured. And that you could have that moment in your life where you come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Forgive me my sins. Come in, I'm opening up. I'm opening up the room of my heart. And I just want you to come in. 
so that I might live. When the hurts of life come, when injustices take place, always remember, just as Pastor Dallas shared with us last week, God is here. He's there with you. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He knows every tear that falls. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we do live in a fallen world. And Lord, I know sometimes it's hard for people to understand these things. It's hard for Christians who know the truth to even understand them at times. And the people that are outside the faith go, well, how, how could a loving God allow these things to happen? Because God, you designed us in a way that we have a free will. We can choose to serve you. Or God, we can choose to continue to live in our sins and live separate from your love. Father, this is a part of life. And yet when we look at a story that you put in your Bible of Naboth, an innocent man who loved you and really just wanted to be obedient, and he lost his life because of his obedience. But even today, <laughs> thousands of years later, we're able to share that story people are able to find hope to know that God ultimately you're in control and that you will judge and God just as judgment fell on those evil people your judgment will come and your justice will be served and Father you understand our hurts and you love us our sorrows and you feel our pains and you want to help comfort us through the most difficult things that this life will ever bring but we just have to let you and we have to keep going to you and saying Lord I need you help me get through this and you always do if someone today listening watching online later and maybe you're outside the faith you haven't had that moment where you invited Jesus into the room of your heart, I pray that you just pray that simple prayer. Just ask him. Just come in. Save me, Lord. I'm a sinner. Save me by your amazing grace. If you haven't been walking close with the Lord and you've been off your path a little bit, I pray that today you'll just have a desire to say, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to ask the Lord to forgive me again and I'm going to get back on my feet and I'm going to just keep trying. And if your faith today is stretched and you feel weak in your faith, I pray that you'll ask God to strengthen your faith. And if you're hurting, I pray that God would bring you comfort. And I pray that he would bring you his peace that the world could never take away. We pray these things together. In Jesus' name. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word. You know, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says by faith, we accept Jesus as our Savior. 
and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer, we want to hear from you. Contact us through our website, City Church AC, or you can get at our church app through any of the um, streaming services, and we want you to know that we'll contact you. And from this day forward, no matter what you face, you'll always have hope, knowing that Jesus is your Savior, and he'll come through in your life. Thank you for being with us today.